People are the weakest link in any cybersecurity plan. We're distracted, exhausted, and often unmotivated. It's time to change the approach used to protect our businesses, technology, identity, and data. The human element has to be front and center in a war against data breaches and ransomware attacks. It's time to educate. saw a post on Facebook where a woman, it was a local Facebook group from my area, and the woman said that she had only gone to two places in that day. It was, uh, I think, a Wendy's and, and an ATM. And she was concerned because somebody had made fraudulent charges on her card, and she assumed that it was either Wendy's or the ATM where the card information was stolen. So I advised this woman in the Facebook group, so public to everybody in the Facebook group, that it didn't necessarily happen that day, that somebody could have stolen those debit card, credit card number weeks or months ago and just held on to it and then eventually sold it. And this is what happens on the dark web. Credit card numbers are are stolen and sold on the dark web all the time. And so when this happens, the card, stolen card may not get used for sometimes months. In fact, this happened to me probably 12, 10, 12 years ago. I used to have a Citibank account. I got a phone call on a Monday morning asking if I was in France over the weekend because there were all these fraudulent charges on my bank account in France for hundreds, a few hundred dollars at a time, 300, 700, not huge charges, but big enough to get the bank's interest. And of course, I wasn't in France. I was at work on a Monday morning didn't go to France that weekend, and those charges were fraudulent. And fortunately for me, Citibank reversed it. Uh, It took them about five days, but they did reverse it. But it just goes to show you that cyber criminals are patient. They will take their time, and they will eventually attack and or do what they need to do to make money. Welcome to the Human Element Podcast. Visit our website at thehumanelement.net for more content to help you strengthen your awareness of the people problem in cybersecurity. I am Scott Gumbar, owner of Nuage Tech, a client-focused, security-minded, proactive IT service provider. All right, welcome to episode 17. I'm sort of keeping my promise and recording almost a week after the last episode. I think it is actually a week after the last episode. So here we are. And today's episode, I'm going to talk I'm going to be somewhat vague when it comes to company names and things like that uh, because I don't know that this is public information yet, but I did learn um, from a client about a a company that has been breached, but they are not aware yet. It's actually two companies that have been breached, and it sounds like it might be through the same managed service provider. So a managed service provider, if you don't know, um, my, I own a managed service provider called Nuage Tech, and what that means is we take care of all the IT needs, uh, and it's supposed to be including cybersecurity for businesses. Clearly, this managed service provider is not doing their job. Now, I'm going to be vague because I don't know that it's public information yet, 
it was shared with me from one of my clients who happens to be in the same industry. And so what they've discovered is that a on a hacker forum, a somebody, I don't you know, I don't know if the person's a hacker or if it's a, an employee or or who they are, but somebody has access through the managed service providers remote management tools to two different companies, at least two different companies, maybe more, I don't know, and is offering to sell that that information. So this the purpose of this podcast today is really twofold. One is we're going to discuss how could this person have access to this to these two companies, smaller businesses uh, and a few hundred employees, um, which again points to what I always say that doesn't matter how big your business is, um, because they the cyber criminals don't care if they can make money, they're going to make money and or make a name for themselves. They're going to do what they want to do to make that happen. And it doesn't matter how big or small you are. If you have PII or even more important PHI, and I'll define those in a moment, then you're considered high value. PHI is extremely valuable on the dark web. So PII is personally identifiable information. And those are things like credit card numbers, social security numbers, home address, email address, first and last name, uh, things like that information that can identify who you are and a lot of that information is already on the internet so some of it is not a secret so your home address more than likely is on the internet a good chance we could find your email address and phone number on the internet uh, but they can dig deeper and find more personal personally identifiable information phi is protected health information and this is the stuff that your doctors your hospitals and your dentists and all of those practices that work with insurance are supposed to protect and when that gets out to the dark web that has a high dollar amount attached to it that's one of the best-selling items on the dark web and aren't you know maybe in a future podcast we'll talk more about the dark web uh, it's an interesting place definitely some illegal activities some interesting things on there um, but it's um, considered the black market of the internet so what happens is someone recognizes that they ha they can get access to a, a business with, say, thousands of uh, details, records of pay, of clients. In this case, it's not uh, healthcare, so it's not not PHI, it's PII. So potentially thousands, most likely thousands or tens of thousands of personally identifiable information records. So I go to this type of business. And they potentially run credit report on me or get some tax information from me or something along this. It is in the financial world. And which also, by the way, means that they would be subject to the FTC safeguard rules that are supposed to kick in on June 9th. If you're not familiar with the FTC safeguard rules and you're in a business that has anything to do with the financial information of a potential client, and you might want to look it up. If you just search FTC safeguard rules, you'll see uh, lots of information. Go to the FTC website. I will have a blog post on the Nuage Tech website in the very near future. But it kicks in on June 9th. And so the information that is available from this this business, these businesses, is that type of information. And so you think we're thinking credit card numbers, social security numbers, tax returns, uh, 
credit reports, things like that. All right. So someone is selling this information on the internet, on the dark web. And they were approached by people in the industry sort of as a spy, I guess you could say. And that was to try to figure out what they had and who they're who they're trying to what they're trying to do with it. And it was determined that it was two businesses. Two businesses were mentioned, but they they were not mentioned by name. So they're still not clear as to what businesses they are. Um, but they do have enough information that they might be able to figure out who the businesses are. Now. What information was given was that the seller on this dark web forum had access through a managed service provider. So the managed, most managed service providers, although I'm seeing more and more that don't, for some reason I don't get it, but most managed service providers provide uh, remote support in the form of a help desk where they can remote into a client's computer and you know, do software updates or provide technical support, things like that. And so they, they have access to this managed service providers tools that allow them to access their clients' computers. Now, who, who could this be? This could be somebody who figured out the passwords to access these tools. This has happened quite a bit. We've seen it happen with Twitter. We've seen it happen with other managed service providers. We've seen it happen with organizations where they get in with a weak password. This happened with um, SolarWinds a few years ago. That was a big supply chain attack. And this, so this is similar in that nature. Uh, so they either figured it out through weak passwords or through phishing. Uh, very simple phishing email sent saying, hey, we need you to update your password on your remote support tool. And again, I'm leaving the name of the tool out of it because I don't, I'm trying to be as vague as I can about the details, but this is real. And when it does come to light, I will be sure to share it with the whole world. I just don't know that it's public information yet. And so they they could have fished them and said, reset your password here and took them to a website that looked a lot like the real website, but wasn't, so this is phishing. Uh, and using an email and using a uh, phishing website. So that's called hybrid phishing and then therefore has a much higher success rate. Um, could have been a phone call from the company, and I'm using air quotes here, saying you need to reset your password and I'll send you a link right now to do that. And then that improves the success rate even more. Uh, it could also be an insider threat. So that would be an employee or an ex-employee who maintained access after they were let go. And I see this quite a bit where the employees let go, but nobody removes their access to anything. So that is another possibility. Could be a current employee who's just trying to make a few dollars and says, here, here's access. They don't care about their job because they will probably get caught. Um, but here's access to these businesses through a remote support tool. So all of these things are possible, and it's possible that this person has been trying to sell this for quite some time or has successfully sold other um, accesses to other companies in the past. We've seen this story played out. We've seen it in Texas where a managed service provider was compromised, and I think it was 22 municipalities were impacted by it. Uh, we've seen it where we saw the SolarWinds story 
a couple of years ago. It's been, I think it's been two or three years now, maybe longer, um, where somebody figured out the FTP, I believe it was they figured out the FTP password to a management server and got in and and um, messed with the source code for SolarWinds. And that's, well, so that's what made it a supply chain attack. So this is not necessarily, this current situation is not necessarily a supply chain attack. However, they've got access. And so access is sold on the dark web and it happens a lot. So you, you often we, we hear the term hacker and, and I don't like the, that word, but hacker um, in, for this purpose is usually thought of as someone who cracks code or finds a vulnerability and compromises it. But a, a lot of times the access is given through an initial access broker, they're called. And so that's somebody who, who has access to your network from outside of the company and is going to sell it. Now, that, again, that could be through a managed service provider. It could be an employee that wants to do damage for whatever reason. It could be um, a phishing attack that compromised a password. It, you know, there's any number of ways they could get in. But somebody gained access, and now they don't want to do it anymore. They don't want to continue with the cyber attack, and so now they're selling it. And there's there's a big market for that. And there are actually companies, and again, I'm using air quotes, I'm using that term loosely, but we'll call them ransomware gangs because that's what they are, where they have hired initial access brokers, they've hired uh, script kitties in a lot of cases, but people that will crack code or crack passwords, um, they've hired people to do phishing attacks. They've hired people to launch ransomware attacks. There's ransomware as a service is available out there. And a lot of it's very affordable. So they do all of this and then they say, okay, you've been hit with a ransomware. We've stolen all your data. We're going to sell everything. Or you can give us you know, $10 million. I'm just throwing numbers out there. All right. So now you know how they got in. Now you know what they're up to. And now you know that they've could have potentially, and I don't know in this instance how long they've had access, but they could have potentially had access for months. And there have been cases where people have been have accessed a network for years. So now you're thinking, all right, this is a managed service provider. They're supposed to provide cybersecurity. How does this happen? And it is a problem in the industry. They're they're creating a bad name for managed service providers. But Unfortunately, as a managed service provider, we also have a huge target painted on our back. So yes, people come for us all the time. The bad guys, the cyber attackers, the cyber criminals come for us all the time. And so there are things that can that we can do. Um, and a lot of it is what we already tell our clients to do. So there's the training, you know, how to recognize phishing emails, how to prevent phishing emails, what to do with a, an email that we're not sure if it's phishing or not. All of that is education. And this is what you know, this is why we consider education a huge part of what we do. Uh, and it's extremely important that we do it um, so that our clients are better prepared, but also so that we're better prepared. We see the threats that are that are out there and we address them as needed. So if I get a phishing email or I've gotten two phishing texts in the last day, in the last 24 hours, plus I got... Um, on LinkedIn, someone who's trying to uh, get me into a pig butchering scam. So we've talked about pig butchering a few a few times. So they messaged me on LinkedIn, pretended to be someone, and then took the conversation to WhatsApp. And I'm currently in WhatsApp talking with this person because I want to show the world how far it goes. I've done this once before. 
strung it out for about two weeks and then shared it. It's on our YouTube channel at Nuage Tech. All right, so they, they got in through the managed service provider. So what can the managed service provider do? So first of all, they should have been, they should be following their own best practices that they're probably telling their clients to practice. They should lock down their remote access tools. So what do I mean by that? <clears throat> In my company, all the remote access tools anything that can remote into a client's computer is locked down to only two IP addresses. So there's only two IP addresses that you can be on and remotely access our client's computers. There is a secondary form of authentication anytime somebody tries to remote in. So I or one of the techs that remotes in has to approve the login from a secondary token. And again, I'm, I'm being somewhat vague on purpose. And then there is also a log. So I receive, me personally, receives an email every time a remote session is started. And this way I can verify that that remote session is legitimate. So I can see where the IP address is, um, who they're accessing, and all of, the, all of the details I need to see in order to determine that that is a legitimate remote access session on top of locking it down to two IP addresses. So this is me being paranoid. A lot of people think I am paranoid and I have to agree when it comes to these things. I am, I don't want to be the reason a client is compromised. Um, so I review those emails as soon as they come in and I make sure it's legit. Unless I know it's me, then I'm not going to probably not going to put as much priority on it. But if, if I know it's not me, and one of my, my help desk people, I'm going to confirm that it is legitimate, that it's coming from the right IP address, that they're accessing a computer for a legitimate reason. I'm going to try to match it with a ticket, all of those things. So that's, uh, that's something else we do. You should be reviewing the logs. Even if you don't, even if you do get the emails, you should be reviewing the remote access logs. You should have a log file of all the remote access service provided. And if you don't, then either you don't know what you're doing or you're using the wrong tools. Uh, as a managed service provider, or even internal IT, it's the same thing. And actually, I would, I would venture to say that an IT department within an enterprise business might be easier to compromise. In some ways, a little more relaxed because it's all one business. Um, the problem that I see is that people get into the business managed service provider, IT support. A lot of businesses don't even know they're providing managed services. They just call themselves tech support, um, which is fine. It's, you know, it sort of is tech support, um, but it's also cybersecurity. So a lot of people get into the business thinking, okay, I'm going to take my business to the next level and I'm going to provide these types of services. And they don't understand the risks that are involved or they don't understand the cybersecurity, cybersecurity piece of the business. I've seen it time and time again. I have been told of IT providers that said, write all your passwords down in a notebook that's safer or uh, don't turn on man uh, multi-factor authentication it's not necessary and that was at a healthcare um, covered entity um, and they did get compromised uh, just stuff that makes no sense you know um, you don't need a password on your computer you don't need to encrypt your mobile devices or your laptops 
all of the things that make no sense if you're a cybersecurity professional. So I believe in order to be a managed service provider, you also have to be a cybersecurity professional. And we teach all the time about cybersecurity and we practice what we teach. Zero trust is huge, huge, huge player in this game. If you have zero trust and for some reason your your computers are compromised, they still can't run a script without an approval process. So somebody, not even in the business, unless it again is internal IT, uh, somebody has to approve that script or that application to run. And if I don't recognize that request, I don't know what it is, I do some research, still can't figure it out, it's not getting approved. It's going to sit and wait. And I'm going to wait for a phone call from the person who asked for the access to see if they legitimately need access to it. That's our, that's part of our process. Uh Having passwords on all of the end user computers is huge and with the screen timeout. So if it's two o'clock in the morning and somebody's trying to access these computers and they don't know the passwords, they're not going to get in. There's not going to be able to, to do anything. Or removing admin access for all of the users. These are all These are all processes we have in place, by the way. Removing admin access for the users. So even if they do know the user's password or for some reason the user computer is unlocked or doesn't have a password, you know, one slips by every now and again, they don't have access to be able to run anything anyway, even with zero trust. So zero trust is going to ask them if they want to elevate the request. And then at which point I'm going to get a rep an approval request. And also do they want to run the application or do they need approval for the application? I should say, and I'm going to get these, these notifications and guess what? At two o'clock in the morning, I'm not reading my emails for these requests. Or I also get a push notification. I'm not checking those at two o'clock in the morning because none of my clients are working at two o'clock in the morning. In the event that we did have a client that worked at that time, we would uh, address that as needed. It would be a different process. We would fine tune a process to make sure that they were not compromised. These are all things that could be done to prevent this type of activity. And as a managed service provider, if it's not happening, you are setting yourself up for failure and you are setting your clients up for failure. It's happened time and time again. And as a managed service provider or an MSSP, because supposedly the business that that uh, is compromised is an MSSP, which is a managed security service provider, meaning they're supposed to have a higher level of security standards over an MSP. Some MSPs partner with MSSPs to make sure that they're secure. So this particular business has remote access into several businesses with employees in the hundreds and those that access is being sold on the dark web now you could take that with a grain of salt of course you could the person could just be lying could just be trying to create a name for themselves who knows but the potential is that it's an insider threat and a current or ex-employee that's that maintained access or somebody that successfully fished somebody on the inside at the managed service provider at that managed security service provider and then was able to get in through through a fish a successful fish more likely a, a hybrid fish so i would say probably phone call followed by an email and then followed by a phishing website um and i'm so i'll share some of the text phishing messages also known as smishing 
on the Nawash Tech Instagram page and Facebook page today as I'm recording this. So it's March 20th as I record this. I don't know if it'll get uploaded today, but certainly try. Um, or maybe there was some type of supply chain attack. I don't think so. But there are many steps that could have been taken to prevent this by the managed service security provider, managed security service provider. I don't know which, which S comes first. Um, steps that should have been taken that weren't. And so it is paramount for those in the tech world to understand the threats and prevent the threats. And if you're not, you're failing as a managed service provider and you're failing your clients, which is even more important. So hopefully I've explained the, the who, the why, and the what, and the how, and hopefully it prevents the next one from happening. And when it does come to light, hopefully it never does. But when it does, uh, I'm sure that the information has already been shared with the FBI. So hopefully the FBI can figure out who it is and go from there. Um, but when it, when it becomes public, I'm going to say I told you so. So until next time, stay secure.